Hello there and welcome to Film Raw here at Bunkers in the UK. It's the place where we roar at the latest and greatest cinema releases. I am, of course, your host, Ian Bolton, the genre giant, and I am joined once again by the enigma that is Christian R. Allen. Hello. How much of an enigma am I? I mean, you seem to know a lot about my life. What, what's the most enigmatic thing I've ever done? Or is it too enigmatic? You don't actually know. You like fine border wine? I don't know. You got me there, to be honest. Where is my wine? It's it's just gone one. I'm on holiday, bitch. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing lovely. Now, just before we do start off, just to remind our listeners, we do have chapter descriptions available in the episode description. So if there's a particular part of the episode you want to jump to today... By all means, have a look at those time codes and uh, enjoy the episode. We are going to be talking about films such as America, the motion picture, Luca, and of course, our main review today, which will be Black Widow. I'll also be talking a little bit about Space Jam, a new legacy later on in the recommendations uh, section of the show, which is just after the main review. So yes, plenty enjoy this episode. So um, going back going back to you, Christian, how are you doing? Uh, I'm very good, thank you. Um, uh, it's nearly the summer holidays. So yes. I'm going to get six weeks off. Lovely. I'm going to try to watch as many films as humanly possible. Ah, it's the it's the great thing. The the, the sun is shining. Uh, it, it's so it's so lovely and warm. And what are we going to do? Go Stay to in, <laughs> go in a darkened room in, with air conditioning. We're little troll goblins. Okay, <laughs> we we know what we are. I like the sun, but I don't think the sun likes me because every time I go outside, I just end up burning horrifically. It's my greatest nemesis, the sun. <laughs> it's just no no enjoyment, no sunshine for you. Go into your little hobble and listen to your Cure CDs. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. It's too hot. I'm melting your Cure CDs. Ha, 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 ha. That's just a on Spotify, obviously. I'm not even being plugged by Spotify. Well, we are available on Spotify. Are if we? Listen, and if you're listening to us on Spotify, hello there. Hang on, Hope you enjoy. I've got a Spotify premium account. Let's have a look. We're, we're definitely on Spotify. Let's have a look. Spotify. Now type in Film Raw. Is that one word? Two words. Film Raw. It should be one word. You've been, you've been part of the oh, show. Yeah, it's there. It's there, isn't it? Oh, God. Oh, you got the Fast Nine review with and the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Uh, yep, which uh, we had Hugh last episode joining us for. Oh, Army of the Dead. Christian pays a flying visit to Ian's home on this episode of Film Raw to shift through the decay in and its ellipsis. So, yeah, there we go. See, yeah. we're on Spotify. I could, I, on my journey home, I could listen to myself. Yes. Just like, I'm sure that'd be that would be riveting. That would be strangely strange that you just have to listen to your own strangely voice. Strange. <laughs> strangely strange. Strangely <laughs> strange. Ian Bolton, you have such a way with words. <laughs> I've got the thesaurus right next to me. It's your favourite dinosaur. <laughs> Tyrannosaurus Rex. No, thesaurus. <laughs> banter band is this what this is <laughs> real really good banter this is i don't know good is probably pushing it <laughs> mediocre banter it should probably be our band name to be honest let's crack on with the main show let's crack on with uh, a few mini reviews to begin with and uh let's uh Let's uh, cast our minds back to the recent uh, 4th of July celebrations uh, with America, the motion picture. Finally, freedom has a birthday. Go home to your friends, to your family, to your loved ones. Ready your arsenals. Bring not the weapons you would use to topple men, but the weapons that you would use to topple nations. On this day, America is born. 
Wow, that was beautiful phrasing, George. Check this out. Teamwork, it makes the dream work. That's leadership. So, America, the motion picture. This is an animated film directed by Matt Thompson uh, of Archer and uh, starring Channing Tatum as a chainsaw-wielding George Washington who teams with... I'm reading the synopsis and I'm already laughing again at this. With um, beer-loving bro Sam Adams to take down the Brits in a tongue-in-cheek riff on the American Revolution. Now, I saw this. uh, This came out, I think, at the tail end of June straight into the American Independence Weekend holiday celebrations. And the best way I can describe this is take everything you know about American history, put it in a blender, blend it, now pour that into a glass, and then add in like shards of DVDs and VHS tapes of your favourite action movies and comedy movies. Put that all in, just mix it all together. Now put that back in the blender, blend it, and then once you've got a nice, moderate, thick, possible texture to that liquid then put it in the fridge and let it freeze overnight and when that freezes overnight you kind of make that into like a slush ice and you put it in a glass and you pour in about half measure of maybe or maybe a double measure of uh, of jack daniel's whiskey and then you add some sparklers you add uh, you add some tiny cocktail umbrellas an american flag and that is american the motion picture it might not go down well but it tries and it might not taste as well as it looks. <laughs> You're going to get severe food poisoning, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, which kind of... Well, I think I tried to sum up America, oh, the motion I, picture. I, sorry, I, I just have to interject because I have a real problem with your synopsis. You described Jack Daniels as being whiskey. Oh, it's bourbon, I know. It's, 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 it's just awful. I apologise. <laughs> Everything else seemed pretty accurate. All right, fair yeah, enough. Fair enough. But one, the movie, the movie, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so you liked it? Well, I think we both, on paper, when we saw the trailer, we kind of liked the look of this. And I think mm. the and uh, there were other reviewers out there that highlighted the movie as to say Channing Tatum's character in twenty uh, in Twenty One Jump Street. Uh, imagine that character having to do an American history report for for class, and it will probably end up something like this. You know, if this movie ended cutting into like a classroom of that scenario Mm -hmm. i would have forgiven the movie completely (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately it doesn't end that way and um i spent uh, (laughs) i was incredibly disappointed let's put it that way because i I was very excited about this the trailer's brilliant Mm. and um i wrote i think the trailer is actually better than the movie it was it was trailing is that the right word Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It always bugs me because trailers come at the end of things, not at the beginning. And you put mm. the trailers at from, but oh, it's just being pedantic. Um, <laughs> yeah, this film I thought was abysmal, really, really bad. And all the goodwill I had for it going in dissipated within about two minutes. I, I, I realized that <laughs> the premise is brilliant, but the execution was like absolutely dire it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere beyond it's it's basically the same joke stretched for an hour and a half no it's an hour and 40 minutes isn't it uh i just double checked it is yeah an hour and 40 minutes it is it is way too long way too long i mean i i would say i i think this film would be pushing its luck if it was 70 minutes long Mm. i mean this feels like this could have made a very good 20 minute one-off adult swim special Mm. um but it's just yeah it feels like the writers got drunk, came up with a great idea, and that was it. And then they <laughs> just half-assed it. 
mm. all the way from there. I didn't find it particularly funny. Didn't find it charming. I I was just yeah. I I kind of checked out within two or three minutes. Yeah, you're right in terms of the length. It is it is too long. Um, and I think a more manageable link for me might have been an hour and 15, hour and 20. Um, but again, it, it has a very particular brand of humour. It is a lot of like the, the general sort of... It's more or less juvenile throughout throughout the film. And I know it... And, and there are moments where it tries to be very satirical over the state of America. There's like a moment towards the very end of the film where all of America's sort of current social woes come to light the moment sweet victory against the British is, is achieved. And I think that was like a, that was actually quite a humorous end to the film in terms of, we've I'll made, give you that. We've, it's like, we've, 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 we've defeated the British. America is going to be great. And then it's like, well, it's like, well, what about my rights? What about my rights? What about these rights? And, and it's like, oh, 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 um, um, America in that sort of way. And I, and I thought the way that kind of dissolved at the very end of the film was really, really cool. But in, but going back to about the humour, it's, it's a very chalk and cheese. There are some audiences that, are, that will watch this film and enjoy the humour. I, I can imagine, I can imagine this playing well with a certain demo, like, like the, I can see teenage boys getting a kick out of this. Mm. I mean, if I was if I was fourteen, I'd have probably laughed quite hard. But again, I don't know. I think of think of the sort of similar tone things I was watching at that age, like South Park, and this doesn't come anywhere near that in terms of it's crass. It, you know, those things were crass, but there was a level of sophistication like underpinning the humour. Mm. Um, you know, um, I don't didn't feel that at all with this and I, I think yeah that crack at the end is amusing but that's one little thing one after, little thing after, after 100 after minutes 100, <laughs> 100 minutes of puerile garbage um yeah and it's it's uh, it's just the jokes don't land and it's the what you know it's the same thing over and over and over again like I, I found like I found Benedict Arnold in particular quite grating as a character and um, it just it fixated too much on like um on certain characters like if it, it, it's weird because this this kind of this kind of comedy would be best served quite fast paced sort of like bish bash bosh mm. like joke 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 punchy dialogue punchy dialogue punchy dialogue but it just stays on characters talking over and over again it just it's it's just stretching out the jokes mm. as long as possible. Yeah, and to the point where it's just not funny. It's just, that's, that's that's it. It's a, I mean, it's a simple it's a simple barometer for when judging a comedy movie. But I I just didn't laugh at all. Mm. And like, yeah, I mean, to me, I I like some of the animation styles. I think character designs remind me of the Venture Brothers quite a bit. Yeah, and um, yeah, the the okay, the there's some moments the animation is great. Mm. There are some moments where it's quite ropey. Mm. Um, it's, it's almost scene by scene. Yeah, yeah, and I and I can appreciate as well that they've tried to make sort of interesting takes on on American figures. I mean, Thomas Edison is now uh, a female scientist, played by uh, Olivia Wilde. Yes, as well, which which is a great, nice little thing. Um, and then, and then, and they kind of make obviously they kind of they go down like the sort of parodying route of like Star Wars of um, making the British like 
the empire of star wars you have you have you have the king you have king george who's played by simon, simon pegg isn't it yeah. yeah just pretty much doing a palpatine <laughs> just riding on like a floating like a floating throne and with a murderous soccer ball called manchester <laughs> it's like some of that i like but, oh. again these are, these are small moments small moments there's a lot of great ideas but that's it there was no thought in the execution it's just, it was very lazy, very lazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm, as you can probably imagine, my, my opinion is very low of this film. I'm, I'm I was given, <laughs> I was thinking of giving it one star. Mm. I think, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap this up because obviously we haven't got much more to say on America, the motion picture. Um, yeah, I think for me, I zoned out towards the end a little bit because it's like I, I tried to keep with it and again some bits of humour work some bits of humour a bit too juvenile for my tastes so I would say a push I'm being generous two stars so, so compromise one and a half yeah that seems fair cool that seems fair I mean I mean, on paper there's a great opportunity there for a really fun film I think that's what irritated me the most was that I, I was I had real high expectations for this I mean, I'm a huge fan of Archer hmm. um, although the last couple of years it's it's not worth watching at all, but the first five or six years of Archer were phenomenal. Mm. Um, I like this kind of humour. I like these kind of animations. It's just, it just, yeah. Oh, well. Failed to tick my boxes, really, unfortunately. Oh, well. So, America, the motion picture gets one and a half stars here on Film Raw. Right. (laughs) It's not as bad as Artemis Fowl. This is true. High high praise indeed. This is true. It's not as bad as Artemis Fowl. Is that still, is that like our... I think that and Coffee and Kareem. Yeah, I totally forgot about that film. That was abysmal. Strangely enough, Coffee and Kareem was also a Netflix film, just like America, the motion picture. Netflix can make good films. Yeah, yeah, they can do. When when I think they've they've picked up the right sort of films because again I think more or less Netflix is more not necessarily studio half the time it's more like picking up the rights and and so forth I think they are making a few more originals I mean we got um, Red Notice towards the end of the year with mm. Dwayne Johnson Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot yep. which might be fun no, I'm, I'm willing to give that a go who knows but uh, yes let's 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 cross the void from Netflix over to Disney Plus and uh, we're going to stay with animation as we talk about. Uh, the recent Pixar release of Luca. Here's a clip. Scopa. We can go anywhere. Do anything. We just gotta stick together. We underdogs have to look out for each other, right? Underdogs! This is gonna be the best summer ever. We'll ride down every road. See the whole world together. It'll be amazing. (laughs) But there's just one thing. So, Luca, the latest film from Pixar, synopsis reads as follows. Set in a beautiful seaside town on the Italian Riviera, the original animated feature is a coming-of-age story about one young boy experiencing an unforgettable summer filled with gelato, pasta and endless scooter rides. Luca shares these adventures with his newfound best friend, but behind all the fun is a deeply held secret. Luca and his friend are actually sea creatures. (gasps) And there goes the drama and the peril. They're, they're, they're kind of in the sea. They're like they're rep, see, like yeah. reptilian creatures outside yeah. of water. They become human-like, don't they? Yeah. So I don't know if there is a if there is a name for that in like mythology. 
That probably is. Probably but, is. But, but technically, sea, sea creatures or... or well, well, sea, let's, sea, let's, merman, sea man. Let's call them Pixar fodder. Pi- Pixar creatures. Pixar creatures. There we go. Uh, so, yes, um, Luca did, well, didn't get a cinema release, went straight to Disney+. Plus. Mm. Obviously, I think it was due to get a cinema release, but obviously COVID put an end to that. Yeah. Um, and... The first things first, in terms of in general Pixar films, this is gorgeous to look at. This is a yeah, beautifully I, animated film. I completely agree. It was there were moments where I forgot I was watching an animation. Mm. Some in particular details of like fields and the sky. I, I just it was just quite yeah, it's breathtaking, absolutely breathtaking. And I loved the character design. I, I, I it's it's been an interesting journey for 3D animation over the last twenty years. To how do you actually animate humans or humanoid creatures? Uh, humanoid creatures i said i've been watching too much star trek obviously uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i i haven't like the hyper realistic approach of like um uh, zemeckis um you know like the, I, I will never find i will always find polar express the creepiest of experiences have you not seen beowulf I didn't. I didn't take to that as well. With Ray Winston. Oh God! As Beowulf. We'll talk about Ray Winston later on. Oh, but carry will on. we? <laughs> With Black Widow, we will. will so. he, was he even in it? <laughs> we'll discuss later on. But let's focus yeah, on Luke. Let's, let's stick with this. I mean, um, yeah. So I, I, I like the direction. I, I like the sort of the, the the look of the people in this film. I thought mm. it was quite fun. Um, that's all the real. The only real praise I can give this film is in terms of aesthetics. If I'm being perfectly honest, I just, mm. I, this didn't feel like a coherent narrative to me. It felt like five or six different ideas thrown at a wall, and every ten or fifteen minutes or so, it becomes a different movie with the same characters, and it's the the overriding plot if you can say there's an overriding plot that sort of brings it together at the end is so thin it's, oh is it just like the like the the bike race rally yeah in the town i mean it, this this does not feel like it's pixar quality yeah i think considering we we've just come off the back of soul and which was excellent um i've still yet to see soul actually i, I would thoroughly recommend it um I think for me as well, it's like, I, I, this is the thing, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit when we move over to Black Widow, but there's sometimes when you have an oversaturation of a particular brand of film or something like that, things just kind of, they don't feel special anymore, or they just feel kind of generic. And I think my, my approach sometimes with Pixar films isn't because I don't want to see them, it's just that they're not, they're not grabbing me. They're not grabbing me straight away. So mm. um, I, I, I guess if, unless we weren't covering it from, for Film Raw, I wouldn't necessarily be going out my way to watch Luca. Um, I feel exactly the same way. But then, and, and I think to a degree, we've really been spoilt by the levels of storytelling that we've had with Pixar. Look mm. at the Toy Story series, look at The Incredibles, look at Wally, look at Ratatouille, uh, and, and, and Monsters, other shows, Inc. Monsters Inc., Finding Nemo, and stuff. There's been some extraordinary storytelling there. Up, up as well. I'd, mm. I, would, I would be a loss not to mention Up because <laughs> Up is one of their pinnacle moments. And, it, and it's not like this is, it's not like they've. <laughs> They're still capable of producing great movies. I mean, it's about three, four years old now, but I think Inside Out is the best Pixar movie. Oh, yeah, Inside Out. I've, I've, I thought that was an incredible, incredible achievement. Um, I just find it very odd that the same studio can give a, give us all those films you just listed mm. also produce this. Yeah. Um, they, they've had a few misfires. I mean, like Cars 2 was objectively terrible. 
I kind uh, of, I kind of, I, I have avoided the Cars film. The, I think, Cars I think one. the first one is underrated. I actually yeah, think first Cars is fine. I think it's good. I think the, the difference between Cars and all the films you listed is all the films you listed are definitely are bona fide classics, like five star movies. Cars, if I'm being generous, is four stars. Mm. And, I th- yeah, I, I think my problem with Cars is basically when, um, and this is from my early cinema managing days. Um, I remember we actually got visited by uh, a, a representative of, of the Disney Disney Film Studios, just the, their sort of local f- field agents to promote and get you all yeah, the marketing yeah, yeah. materials. And they just basically sat there saying, oh yeah, the only reason they're making Cars 2 is because the toys for Cars 1 sold ridiculously well. <laughs> and it's like, great, could, so this, is, could, a clearly, could, yeah. this is clearly a cash cow, gra- uh, cash in rather than actual storytelling being that done. It's completely true because I worked at Toys R Us at the time. When I was 18, 19, mm. and my gosh, those cars, toys, just endless. Like they, they were selling more than Star Wars easily, mm. anything like that. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's business practice, isn't it? Yeah, they they need to make money. But at least, I mean, I, I haven't seen Cars 3, so I can't, I can't give an opinion of that. I hear there are better things. I hear Cars 3 is better, but it's still. Mm. It's, yeah, not, not the standard. We, we're going back to Luca. I'd put this more in the same category as The Good Dinosaur, um, which I thought was quite a fine-looking movie, but the plot was non-existent. Um, Here, it's just a a number of ideas that are just so thinly stretched, and there's a lot of logical inconsistencies in the narrative as well. (laughs) The main character's mother is obsessed with, is terrified of the idea of them going going into the surface. Never explain why. Yeah, it's, it's just like a, a weird, uh, thoughtless rehash of Finding Nemo. But with Finding Nemo, you have a legitimate reason why. Oh no, you're, you're with Merlin the whole way through that movie. Yeah. Merlin, sorry. Um, yeah, you're you're totally with him, even though you, <laughs> Nemo's right <laughs> in order to want to, you know, um, like push boundaries and like develop his own personality and move on. You, you're totally with his father throughout the whole movie because the incredibly traumatic that scene, that first two minutes, man, mm. of Finding Nemo is so brutal. Yeah, it's like it's more brutal than RoboCop. Yeah, That's- <laughs> I I would say with Luca, Luca is a very charmingly inoffensive with very little peril. Yeah, there's there's no peril at all. I think any <laughs> any any semblance of peril, and I think one of the uh, underwriting. One of the underlining bits of tension throughout is obviously what happens if the of the locals of this town find out we're sea creatures. They're going to want to hunt us. They're going to want to mount us on walls and that sort of stuff. They want to they'll they'll hunt us down and they'll kill us. And eventually, as all usual story tropes like this goes, yes, they do get rumbled eventually. Spoilers. It, well, <laughs> of course, it's obvious. It's obvious it's going to get rumbled. But the the fact is that that underlying tension is thrown away within ten seconds. Yes, of for, that reveal, it's, it's like it's like, oh my god, the 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 sea creatures. All right, cool. These people who have spent <laughs> generations like massacring the sea, yeah, are just totally fine with these people now. Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's like I I would. The fact is that this comes in right towards the very end. I think that could have been done as a better bridge between Act Two and Act Three. Yeah. Rather than this ridiculous cycling race with some snooty, I mean that the the principal antagonist of this film isn't really a villain. He's just a bit of an ass. Yeah, you just want to slap. You just want to slap him. Yeah, he's just he just needs a bit of a slap. I think I I think I might be reading this right. He's technically a grown 
adult in a kids race, isn't he? <laughs> or teen, or, yeah. or or pretty much an older teen in a kids race. Yeah, it's it's just kind of if you step back and think about this film, it's just bizarre. <laughs> it, it's 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 not the stuff of the sea creatures. It's not the sort of like the fantastic element of the story. It's everything else around it is just it's it's either banal. The, the, the good thing, I mean, let's talk positives. Like we, we've spoken about the look of the film. I like the relationship between the two boys, the yes. two best friends. I thought that was very sweet, and I think that was there was there was it was quite authentic. I thought, like, yeah, Luca and Alberto. Yeah, like, like Luca looking up to Alberto, and Alberto like having this like bigger, bigger kid bravado, even though it's all. Yeah, I like I liked I liked the times where they're building their own vespers yeah, and, ri- really, and riding them off the cliffs. Really and like, Let's build another one. I <laughs> love that sequence. I love those scenes. But again, didn't that just feel like its own short film? Yeah, within a film, it's yeah. it's, it's more like a loose anthology. Uh, just jumping to okay, we've done that bit. Let's move on to the next idea we had that mm. wasn't that wasn't picked up in another Pixar movie. Mm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. There's about six or seven. No, about five, six different chapter points of this movie, and it, they're just—they don't flow well at all. Mm. And um, it's a shame. It's a real shame. Like I said, there's some. There's some. I, if I was a parent, and it was busy, and I want to shove my kids in front of the TV for a couple hours, I don't think you can complain about this film. No, I think uh, you're right. I think Luca, even though it's not top tier Pixar or high quality storytelling Pixar, there's still enough to enjoy it for the 90 minutes that it is. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's still miles above things like oh what those the strings of like Pixar knockoffs in the early nought like the 2010s, like the Ice Ages and like over the hedge, those sort of things. It's still Mm. miles above those. Mm. But it's not Pixar quality. It's not the same studio that's just given us Incredibles 2, which I thought was an amazing movie, mm. or like, or, or Soul. Yeah. So, star rating time. Uh, I'm guess I I I think it's beautiful to look at. It's not as it's not as it doesn't have depth to its story like previous Pixar films, but I still think there is enough here to warrant at least a decent watch. So I'd say three stars. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it's a fair valuation. Three stars, definitely. Get like I say, if you, if you want to kill an hour and a half of your family, it's a bit. You could tell how much faith Disney had in this, the fact that it's immediately available on Disney Plus. Yeah. Unlike Black Widow, which yeah. we'll talk about in a moment. But yeah, yeah. Um, a good a good portion of, of films that were supposed to go to the cinema or even got to cinema had a premier access element to it. And this is the only one other than well, even Soul just went to Pix it went to Disney Plus. Yeah, I think it did, but that was when it was they were driving for people to get onto Disney Plus. Oh, oh yeah, good so point. So they, they that was yeah, the other way around. Uh, Armist Fowl didn't. Artemis Fowl. It felt like it was buried, <laughs> the most public burial of a movie I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But um, we, I wonder if we can go one episode without mentioning Artemis Fowl. I think we, I mean, we didn't mention it last episode, but well, you, you went here. Uh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Three stars, recommendation, but I, I, I'm not going to. I've just started collecting the 4Ks because Zavi, I've picked up a bunch of them. Um, like they've got Monsters Inc. and The Incredibles coming out. And I was like, oh, this is really annoying because I'm going to get all the 4Ks apart from Luca, Good Dinosaur and Cars 2. So, <laughs> so my collection would be slightly be like, oh, look, would you like to watch 95% of Pixar's output over the last two decades? Well, you can't really call yourself a Pixar fan then, can you? 
<laughs> I, I can. Like I say, I'm a Pixar fan with standards. <laughs> That's probably a debate for another day. But uh, Luca, three stars here on Film Raw. And we are staying with Disney for our main film review. And we are talking about Black Widow. The Avenger finally has her big screen outing and it's time to review it. Here's a clip. You don't know everything about me. I've lived a lot of lives. Before I was an Avenger. Before I got this family. I made mistakes choosing between what the world wants you to be. And who you are. We have to go back to where it all started. Where did you think I was all this time? We have unfinished business. My girls are the toughest girls in the world. I'm sorry. We had our orders and we played our roles. It wasn't real. It was real to me. To me? You were everything. So, Black Widow sees Scarlett Johansson play the role for the very last time on the big screen. And basically, this is set between Civil War and Infinity War. Natasha Romanoff confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises and... Basically, she must come face to face once again with uh, the dreaded Red Room, which is still under the control of uh, an evil Russian played by Ray Winston. And uh, yeah, so essentially, uh, she's brought back into the fold of this, inter- this terrifying environment uh, with the involvement of her sort of fake sister, uh, Liana, played by uh, Florence Pugh. Um, and yeah, basically, it's coming to terms with with the dark past and, and putting it to bed once and for all, really. I'm I'm trying not to be as spoilerific as I can with this, to be honest, because I think going in with a little less expectation is better. But um that's that's it in a nutshell, really. Um so <laughs> I can tell you've watched Justin Powers recently. <laughs> How? In a nutshell. In a nutshell. I Okay, fair enough. <laughs> this is me in a nutshell. Oh no. No, I'm in a nutshell. <laughs> so yeah, so we got the so yeah, so we've got the Black Widow solo outing at long last, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get the negatives for this out the way first because I think it does need addressing. And the fact is, this film should have happened sooner. Sooner should have happened years ago. Well, it should have happened towards the tail end of Phase Two. Yeah, defo. Um, because here's the thing: obviously, Black Widow has been an integral part of MCU for for so many films since, since Iron Man Two. Yeah, since Iron Man Two appeared in the Captain America films, obviously the main Avenger films and that sort of stuff. But the fact is she's never had her moment to really have a proper outing yeah. in a movie. And the fact that this is coming after Endgame, where we've said goodbye to the character, I think makes this film feel more like a strange tack-on uh, epilogue. It's an epilogue, yeah. A- appendix 
to yeah. to her time in the MCU. You can't get emotionally invested in this at all. It's hard. It's really hard to get emotionally invested in it. Yeah, I I completely agree. It, it just it was. I was really looking forward to this because I I had no problem with a prequel. Mm. Um, in fact, I thought I thought Captain Marvel worked quite well when it doing the whole nineties thing, especially yeah. with Samuel Jackson. Um, but this just felt really redundant. Like it felt utterly unnecessary. Uh, oh, a little bit of purple prose there. But uh, <laughs> just, yeah, I, I just, about half an hour into this movie, I just, I totally lost interest. It just didn't feel like, um, it's very rare, very rare for me to um, watch something Marvel and not think to myself, I can't wait to own this. Mm. I doubt I'd pick this up on Blu-ray, let alone 4K, to be honest. I probably would have it as part of the collection, but it's not one I'm going to want to rewatch all the Is it going to just stay in its cellophane? Like rapping for I'll all probably, time. I, I probably would probably watch it if it's like a like a catch up on things, really. But then again, it's like, why would you be catching up on Black Widow after Black Widow has left the MCU? Yeah, I mean, you could if you're doing a marathon, you could throw it in between. Yeah, I, this film should have come out after Civil War. Um, that's not letting this film entirely off the hook, though, because um, you know, timing is important. But there are problems with this movie beyond its release date. Um, I. <laughs> It's a bit all over the place. This film, it, it's uh, in terms of tone, it's it's fairly inconsistent. The plots, I mean, I thought the first ten minutes of this were excellent. Yeah. So the the opening to this film is we we have a flashback of Natasha as a as a teenager and living a, a fake double life with fellow Russian agents. So a younger version of the in Flo- America, right? In America, yeah. yeah. So the younger version of the. Uh, Florence Pugh character, Liana. Uh, and then you obviously got uh, the fake parents played by David Harbour, who's playing Red Guardian, yep. and uh, Rachel Weiss as well, as as in there as well. And they have to, obviously, they, they've done this unspeakable... It's like David Harbour's done his job. He's stolen some secrets or he's, he's, he's burnt a building to the ground or something like that, and they have to leave America as soon as possible. It's, it's a bit weird because the 90s, the Cold War had, was over. Mm. It doesn't quite... Makes I I guess they're just trying to make the timelines fit. Well, I think it's a, I think it's a, not against American government per se. I think it's against Shield. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, yeah. So obviously we have this really really good opening sequence of the family escaping. It's, it really hooks you in. Yeah, and then what happens afterwards just is you have this strange title sequence, which it feels like <laughs> it feels like they had a choice between these two scenes. And they decided to use both, even though they don't work together. It's mm. it's very strange, you know. Jumping, but I don't want to. I don't give do too much away. But jumping between that opening and then the the crate. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's yeah. It, they but they already they always like they decided the fate for some of these for the for the family after they escape, and then we're reminded of the decision made for Natasha and Elena. I would have, Again, I was, a minute later, you should you should have taken out the whole sequence. It was just, it just it it was a tad jarring, and I was like, oh, what what's going on here? All right. It's really surprising because the MCU movies, even a even the you know the even the more uh, how can I put it the less the less good ones, they still they flow fairly well. Mm. I mean, um, but the, yeah, it was it took me out a little bit, and then I just found that the sort of the plot just didn't really make much sense to me i mean <laughs> what so natasha's journey because she receives some vials 
And these vials are like an antidote to a mind control process that's effectively enslaving the other black widows. Mm. But <laughs> she's given it without a note. Mm. And so she goes back to the person who gave it to her, who's angry that she came back to her when she was meant to hide it. Well, if she was meant to hide it, wouldn't you, why didn't you tell her she was meant to hide it? It's, it's just... It's, it's logic. It's, it's rubbish. It's just... They, 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 yeah, they, they, it's, it's, it feels like the born identity, but dumb. Really dumb. And the, the, the Taskmaster villain who's, who attacks Black Widow fairly early on, it's like 15 minutes in? Yeah, about 15 minutes in. Has no interest in killing her. And I'm like, why? why? It's, it doesn't make sense to me. Mm. Like the, the Taskmaster allows Black like, Natasha to survive. Yeah. It's just, it, yeah, there's, there's a lot of inconsistency in terms of yeah. like, the, the inner logic of this world. And... There are lots and lots of set pieces in this film that are there because they it feels like they're there because they have to be there as opposed to serving any real purpose for like the 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 journey of these characters like mm. like when Natasha's uh, reunited with her sister um and they immediately have a fight sequence yeah which for no reason <laughs> it's just, they just fight because in, in fact like um i I tell you what actually that what's happened to this movie is that in the time between the period when this movie should have been made and this movie has been made, Killing Eve's come out. Yeah. And I love Killing Eve, or at least the first season in particular. That's clear that this film has been heavily influenced by that to its detriment because it shouldn't have been this kind of movie. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, no. It's, yeah, it. Stuff happens and I don't know why. That's, That's yeah. fair enough. I mean, going back to so the villain side of things. So obviously we have Taskmaster as a villain, and we'll and we'll get to Taskmaster in a second. But we have Ray Winston playing. Uh, he's playing uh, Drakoff, who is the head of the Red Room. How and, long is he in the film for? Uh, he's in it for well. He's in the pretty much a good portion of the tail end. So he's like in the fir- the third act. Pretty is much. He, is he really there? If <laughs> well, here's the thing. This is this is. This is where I'm going with my point here. The fact is, we've been treated to some very good Marvel villains over the last mm. couple of films, in yeah, particular. Like we've Thanos, had, Killmonger. Uh, Mysterio as well. Oh, yeah, I love Mysterio. And here comes Ray Winston, as you know, Ray Winston, the Russian Ray Winston. <laughs> and it's like, it's like unfortunately, he, he's good in other films. He's good in other projects. He just feels like he's just been brought in to fill a role which is boring as hell. Any any actor could have played it. Yeah, you, you, it's you, similar to Christopher Eccleston, the way he was criminally wasted in. Um, well, that was, Dark supposed World. Be, that was supposed to be Mads Mikkelsen. Really? Yeah, Mads yeah. Mikkelsen was originally cast as Dark World, but then he had to drop out, and then Chris and then Eccleston. he got wasted in Doctor Strange because he's only in that for about five minutes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's like after after they managed to strike gold with your Marvel villains for once, with Killmonger, Thanos, and Mysterio, you kind of think, oh, cool, we're going to have a nice sort of if, renaissance. Yeah. Of these, of these nah, cool villains. They've, got, they've gone back to their old ways, haven't yeah. they? And the thing that just strikes me and is very jarring with Winston in this film is where, what accent is he trying to do in half these scenes? <laughs> it's like sometimes it's, oh, yes, I'm Soviet Russia. And then it's, hello, I'm Way Winston. Bet with Bet365. It's the responsible way to bet. <laughs> uh, so, and it's like, and then it goes into like strange Ray Winston America. And it's like, make up your bloody mind, please. But it just it just shows it just shows how boring of a villain 
Oh, and it, well, it's it's is he even really. It's just, it's just, it's just there. It's not. I don't. It, I mean, yeah, yeah he, he totally. I think you're right. Totally wasted. Bizarre accent choices. It's just you kind of to, possibly the most forgettable Marvel villain. We're just saying something because some of the, some about, of the ones from the first phase. What the, Mickey Rourke as Riplash? No, yeah, I thought it was alright actually. I, I yeah. think I think Iron Man Two is underrated, but you know, it must have Bud. <laughs> bud, bring me Bud. <laughs> like um, I, I know he thinks he did. You know, they did him did him wrong in the edit, but yeah, I. I I think Iron Man Two was okay, mm. um, but yeah. So we have we have Drakov, and then we have Taskmaster. Now, for the Marvel Comics fan, Taskmaster has not necessarily a big, big amount of history, but there's a lot. They're more very to popular, aren't they? In the yeah, comics, yeah, yeah. Taskmaster is very popular in the comics in terms of he's uh, this villain is a former sort of. It's basically he's a mercenary who excels at combat skill training. So basically, he's able to uh, to mimic people's fighting skills and so forth. And they kind of bring that across here for Black Widow. And I can I can guess, I can, to a degree, I can understand why they've brought this character in. They're obviously adding something to Natasha's backstory. And I'm not going to go too too far into it because it does tie to an important part of the, the backstory she's trying just, to correct here. Just to interject, what Ian's talking about, and again, I'm not going to spoil it, but you will work out immediately what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> like, like my fiance, she did like 20 minutes of the movie, went, oh, <laughs> just <that. laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah so i can understand they brought taskmaster in and with some marvel characters they have retooled them a little bit to fit them in their universe and that's fine that, that yeah, there's a but there's a difference between retooling for an ad- adaptation and then just giving us a completely different character with the same name yeah i mean to the point where <laughs> the um they bring i mean I understand the anger for the Mandarin in Iron Man 3, even mm. though the, the real Mandarin's going to be in... Um, Shang-Chi, yeah. Shang-Chi, yeah. Um, so that's, that's interesting. This is just... I, I'm not even that familiar with Taskmaster in the comics, and even I was like, who the hell was this? Mm. I just, mean, you, yeah. you, you can't like... it's built. Taskmaster's been built up as, oh, this is like an ultimate fighting machine. Basically, no, no one can stand up to Taskmaster. And ultimately, it's like, oh, this is what Taskmaster is. And it's like, uh, oh... All right. And I think for fans of the character and fans more familiar with the comic lore, they're going to feel a little bit shortchanged by this. Yeah, I mean, it's even even if you're not that hot on that particular character, it's still very underwhelming yeah. as a character. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, there was a lot, of, there's a lot of talk about, oh, who's wearing the mask in Taskmaster? Like, oh, could it be like Hawkeye and stuff like that? But the moment you know it's set between Civil War and Infinity War, you know it's definitely not well, Hawkeye. This is another <laughs> problem, actually. This is probably a bigger problem and then it just reflects the nature of the MCU being it's not a, it's not a group of films it's a TV series mm. it's a t- it's an anthology TV series that happens to be have a Hollywood budget and a screen at the cinemas they've been promising us Budapest and we still haven't had Budapest no we, I, had, we had a bit of Budapest yeah, but not the Budapest no, it's, yeah <laughs> th- this film is not the story that they've been selling they've been hinting at for years yeah and they know what they're doing. They they are, they do plan these movies years in advance, and they haven't given us what as fans we were expecting. I thought we were going to get a film that was set before Iron Man two. Mm. I thought this was going to be an actual prequel, not awkwardly shoved in, 
um, I don't know. So like we have Civil to War point five. It's like we have to explain what Black Widow's been doing between these two films. You okay. didn't have to though. She, she went off and did that. You didn't right. need to tell that story. The story they should have told was the story they've been alluding to for the last 12, 13 years of like her and Clint in Budapest. And that just doesn't, that's just the direction they didn't take the story. And I feel it's just an absolute waste of potential. Mm. And um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if it's a case of like, Worrying that they've like there's too much expectation now they can never meet expectation. Oh, uh, I mean we I think we'll never know what what ideas were sort of rattled around for the movie. To be perfectly honest, yeah. I mean that that it, it is what it is. Sadly, yeah. Um, I, 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 I read I'm, I'm critiquing a film that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> it's like why isn't this film existing? I want to review this film. No. I, I, do, I do feel it's a legitimate point though because it yeah. does feel like that's what they were setting up. Yeah, and I think they were building excitement, or maybe we just all mistook like just a throwaway gag about Budapest. Mm. I mean, there's still there's still some things to kind of enjoy with Black Widow. I think the core chemistry between Johansson, Pugh, Harbour, and Vice is yeah. very entertaining. I, I I think I agree with you. But one last negative point: David Harbour is cr- again he's criminally wasted in this film. Mm. He's he's just a bumbling joke. Yeah, and I was I, it's, he's the hottest star in this movie next to Scarlett Johansson, like coming off Stranger Things. He's on the marketing and he's in it for like, what, three minutes? Uh, he's got a bit longer than that. Yeah, it's not that prominent. It's, again, it's yeah. just, it feels, to me personally, it felt like a waste, another wasted opportunity. Mm. But yeah, I think, I think if it was, I think if those characters kind of came together towards the start of the film rather than about halfway through, I think there may have been a bit more mileage in, in, in a way. I agree. I agree. And I would have probably enjoyed that a lot. Uh, that's kind of what I was expecting to happen anyway. In fact, mm. that's what it alludes to in the trailer. Mm. But it's, it's almost, I think it's nearly like almost an hour and a half before they actually get together. Mm. It's quite long. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Going back to the David Harbour character, I'm I'm kind of more interested to understand how he's managed to fight Captain America in a way. I mean, obviously there's a there's a prisoner in the in the jail scene where they they catch up with uh, David Harbour's character after the opening, where they just go, oh, but he was frozen, and then gets his wrist promptly broken for that for that question. Um, but then again, I, there's some very good theories. Uh, one from the Weekly Planet that's kind of going, well, maybe he's met a different Steve Rogers. Maybe he's met the Steve Rogers who's gone back in time at the end of Endgame and we don't know it yet or in some way. I don't know. It's, <laughs> there's so many different theories. But but the fact is, I think, I do, I, I like Harper in this. I think I think that they they try to portray him more as a, as a guy, obviously as a, as a bumbling hero who thinks he's doing the right stuff. Um, and he's and he's usually just kind of accidentally missing the mark. Not intentionally. He's not trying to be arrogant or anything like that. He's just trying. He tries his best, but clearly he's not the the most sensible of heroes. I suppose. Uh, I, I don't know. I just he came across as just. I like I like Vice as the tactician or like the the just just applying analytical theories and that to the situations, especially for pig farm. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, like, like I said, to me personally, it felt like a wasted opportunity, and I, I just didn't. Fit. It's like, why are these great actors here doing these roles that could be filled in by anyone else? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think generally with those four, there some, there's some good chemistry. It just feels like more should have probably been put. So they more, they should have had a bit more 
time together or having a bit more action sequences together or something like that before just kind of just going straight to this sky-based finale, the common trait of all Marvel films, the oh, sky-based yeah, finale. As well. I, I said this is like a dumb Jason Bourne movie. It's actually a dumb clone of Winter Soldier. I mean, like almost. <laughs> I mean, it's even got the same ending sequence virtually. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, there's a. There's a. There's a. Because I don't know how it's because there's me because I mean looking at uh, like comments about the Moonraker clip because there's a clip of Moonraker and uh, Natasha's hiding in a caravan in Norway and she watches a clip of Moonraker or just Bond meeting Drax and there's just for the sneeze but yeah the and, Moonraker <laughs> and I and I kind of just went okay this kind of this kind of senses I, I kind of sense there's going to be a nod to this somewhere and they kind of do towards the end when she's obviously doing free falls and kind of trying to catch up with people with parachutes and that sort of stuff. That's the only connection I feel to Moonraker with this. They don't go to space or anything like that. But it's like people say, oh, yeah, the reason they've used the Moonraker clip gives them, they gives them the permission to be as ridiculous. It's like, no. Mm. <laughs> I don't think well, I mean, so. My, my, that doesn't even work for me as well because Moonraker, I think, is one of the worst Bond movies. It, it was made as a knee-jerk reaction to Star Wars. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's terrible. And... Uh, <laughs> You can't justify your movie being good by arguing that it's not actually bad, it's tongue-in-cheek, because, look, here's a clip of Moonraker, which we know is a tongue-in-cheek bad movie. I mean, like, that's that's not quite how it works. I mean, have higher aspirations. There's a clip of The Prisoner in The Matrix. The Prisoner is one of the most cerebral, intelligent, fascinating, like, brilliant science, science fiction programs of all time. And the, the Matrix, the Wachowski saw that and thought, yes, that's where we're going. I want to create that level of greatness and this film goes moonraker in it <laughs> like really mm. oh, if, i mean not even not even a fun roger moore movie like i don't know is there a fun roger moore movie they haven't aged very well at all those uh, ones living it dies a good bond that's movie. a good one that's a good one i'll give you um, that spy who loved me spy who loved me yeah. yeah i mean they they got i think moonraker was the the peak of Bond getting really stupid before they brought it back down oh, to yeah, before yeah. they brought Literally it back down so. yeah, yeah for um for your eyes only because then they kind of went grounded and then started getting stupider again and then Timothy Dalton came in and went no serious Bond thank you Timothy <laughs> Dalton for saving the franchise <laughs> anyway um so with Black Widow I'm going to touch on this before we wrap up on Black Widow as well it's like I saw the film on a big screen and I came out and I and then and I just kind of had a feeling like have I watched a movie? Have I have I watched like a, a mm. like cinema in a sense? Because the fact is, we have so much Marvel content from Disney, which for Marvel fans, great, not knocking that at all. But because they have the same style of budgets and the same aesthetic and so forth, they just visually they don't feel special to me right now. I think the only the only two Marvel films at the moment that are coming up that I feel have something special to them is Shang Chi because that looks quite nice. It's, it feels different. It feels different. And Eternals as well, because it's Chloe Zhao. Uh, and, and it's just, again, she went, she's went. she gone for those like sweeping camera shots we saw in Nomadland. But again... I, I can't... Eternals, I can't judge because the trailer was just didn't give you anything. <laughs> Normally I complain that they give you too much. Here mm. I felt like it didn't give anything at all. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Ten Rings. Mm. Uh, because it's, it, I just love the idea of a Kung Fu Marvel movie. It's just yeah. a great idea. Um... But I'm just I don't know. Since Endgame, I'm being constantly underwhelmed. Um, the only exception, I really enjoyed Loki. You're halfway through Loki, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. I would push through. I really, I think Loki is excellent. Wonder Vision, strange morality to the piece, and I 
think it just kind of felt it was a bit too long. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, as I touched upon earlier, didn't really, I didn't quite get it. I don't think it knew what it was trying to do with itself. Um, and Black Widow just feels completely superfluous. Um, it feels like a, you, you don't necessarily need to it's watch it. Not at all. It? Not which, at all. Which feels very harsh for a Marvel because usually with most, usually with Marvel film, you would prob you would probably have to be watch it or watch it to understand a certain um, element of yeah, of I mean, a character. Whereas this, it's like by the end of it, we're setting up for another upcoming Disney it's, Plus it's show. Setting up for Hawkeye. Yeah, know. which is like great. Fine. You, you don't need to set up Hawkeye. <laughs> it's, it's Hawkeye set up. I mean, I mean, if if Hawkeye came out first and kind of went, oh, where's how's this character come about? How have they got involved? And then you link it to Black Widow and you go, okay, that kind of makes sense. But again, the problem still is you're releasing a film about a hero who is dead. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's too late. Too too little. Too late. It, the film is not even if it had even if th if this film had come out at that time, it still wouldn't have been particularly well received. I feel. Um, but but yeah. at least but at least it would have been in place. Yeah, it, yeah, I I totally take that on board. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Star rating. <sighs> if I'm generous, I, I'd give it three. I'm leaning towards three. Yeah, I mean it's like. I don't feel it is the worst. It's like I don't feel, I like I said I don't feel as bored as say the Dark World, but it's like there are bits that I that I did enjoy Black Widow in terms of like some of the humor, the chemistry and stuff like that. But when you put it against the grand scheme of some of the action sequences and some of the, the overarching story with the Red Room, uh, it's just missed opportunity. Yeah, I completely agree. I would say this is, for me personally, probably the third worst MCU movie. Well, the other two. Uh, <laughs> Incredible Hulk and uh, For the Dark World. I have a soft spot for Incredible Hulk. But but but, that, yeah. <laughs> but it's mostly because of things like Tim Roth going in, going in to chew up the scenery, and even Tim Blake Nelson becoming the leader. And we've yet to see the leader now in the MCU. But that's not going to happen. <laughs> There's been like how many plot points of the MCU like, set up and not actually. This is true. Yeah, this is true. Anyway, do let us know your thoughts on the films we've covered in the show today. Filmroll at bunkerzilla.co.uk is the place to send them. Right, let's do a quick round of recommendation time. So, Christian, floor is yours for your film recommendation of the episode. My film pick this week is the 2019 film The Lighthouse, starring Robert Patterson and Willem Dafoe. Um, who make a lovely old couple. Uh, it's directed by Robert Eggers. Um, I believe it's the first film of his I've actually seen. And, whew, oh boy. Um, <laughs> first off, uh, my usual uh, 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 warning. If you're not a fan of the horror genre, then you should probably avoid the lighthouse like... Well, like a boat, try not to crash on the shore, really. That's just just <laughs> putt away. Just get in your tugboat and putt away. Just, uh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a strange one. It's one of the most claustrophobic movies I've ever watched in my life. And clearly that's the intention and, and brilliantly realised. It's just so tense and uncomfortable. Very dark. The striking black and white cinematography is exquisite. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> there are moments where I'm... I'm struggling to see what's happening, but it you know, 
yeah, the, the black and white cinematography it really helps with the, the claustrophobia that's installed in the audience because it's, it's very selective of what you can actually see. Sometimes the entire frame is, is, is black with only like the, the white highlights of the two central figures just like on the, almost on the edge of reality and it really it really complements the state of mind these two characters go basically they're two lighthouse keepers the old um sort of like the old stereotypical superstitious sailor played by Willem Dafoe and he's brilliant in it his accent is wonderful i wasn't sure if it was like um <laughs> it's kind of like a, a like a new england variant of a cornish pirate <laughs> and he does it very well and um robert um, patterson he's sort of like um the young man who's uh, doesn't doesn't quite like being told you know bossed around by this old fool um they, they dislike each other from the start and then they're trapped on a on an island with each other for god knows how long and uh and yeah this the in the insanity um just uh, gets uh, worse and worse and worse from there. It, 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 I'm still not entirely sure if the film is supernatural or not. It's kind of it's, it's reminiscent of the of Kubrick's realization of The Shining, and it seems intentionally ambiguous. Sort of like you're left to make up your own mind. Um, but the supernatural scenes and the more grounded psychological horror are very effective and complement each other really well i i would thoroughly recommend it is it's not the easiest movie to watch um but it is excellent and it's just i can't think of another movie quite like it it's very distinct it's very much feels like its own thing um at least in recent years um uh, i'm not sure if it's available free on streaming services you'll have to rent it but you know get you can find 250 just don't have a coffee at costa or Starbucks. <laughs> Other coffee shops are available to ignore. Um, but yeah, that's my recommendation for this week. I've just finally got around to watching it because it made a big, uh, it made a big splash haha, a couple of years ago. But I, I'm not sure how much it sort of like permeated popular culture per se. Mm. So, uh, so there you go. Lighthouse available on all good streaming services and, of course, physical media right now. Oh yeah, the Blu-rays. Get it on Blu-ray. Yes, nice physical media there. Uh, so, I have I have ventured out to see Space Jam: A New Legacy. Uh... <laughs> Is that also a? a psychological slash spiritual no movie. no it is it is the very long overdue set of like follow-up sequel reboot to obviously the michael jordan bugs bunny cartoon uh which reviewed on on film raw like a, a year ago i think we we were kind of we were kind of nice we were we were nice to it we gave it i think three stars i think you were, it was a very generous three stars well, yeah, yeah it was yeah. it was celebrating the, the um 25th anniversary yeah yeah yeah, so um, so yeah, Space Jam: New Legacy. We've now got LeBron James in for Michael Jordan, and uh, my and LeBron James gets sucked into a digital world run by Don Cheadle, along with his on-screen son, not actual son, on-screen son. That's why I just clarify that in case people think oh, it's son. No, no, on-screen son. Um, and basically, uh, the computer algorithm played by Don Cheadle wants to be recognised. He wants to have his moment in the sun. He wants to be acknowledged for being able to create lots of great digital things with the Warner Brothers catalogue or universe and so forth. He hopes to use LeBron James's popularity to get him there. But LeBron James has kind of said no, gets a little bit angry and decides to challenge him to a basketball game. And the only, and the only people that can 
who are willing to team up with him. Or basically, the team he's put them with is the Looney Tunes. And when LeBron meets the Looney Tunes for the first time in this sort of serververse, um, they've all buggered off into other ro- into other worlds and left Bugs Bunny all by his lonesome on a planet. So uh, they go off into various different, mar- uh, not Marvel films, they go off to various different Warner properties like Mad Max, Casablanca, Austin Powers, all that sort of stuff to reassemble the Toon Squad. And then they have this massive uh, game of basketball, which is a game based on the sun's own creation because the the little conflict before we go into this digital world is that uh, lebron james is trying to push his son to be the best uh, sort of the best next generation of the of the lebron james name in basketball but all he wants to do is invent video games and go to e3 so in 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 an effort to try and drive a wedge between father and son don chino decides you know what let's make a proper version of this of this game we'll invite half the warner brothers uh, fictional characters to watch and we'll invite another half of like real people and we'll pull them into the digital world and quite simply if if uh, Don Cheadle wins this game he he gets to get the it gets to have the recognition but also LeBron and all of those people sucked in stay in this digital world forever and the Looney Tunes get deleted if they win everyone gets to go home all that sort of stuff so yes very kind of interesting it's, stakes. it's, it's, it's basically your usual Oscar bait kind of <laughs> narrative <laughs> Right. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I wasn't. It sounds appalling. I was. I was concerned going into this because obviously the trailers came out and everyone was con- was referencing quite rightly all these sort of other Warner Brothers characters coming out like an already player one state of affairs. Actually, when it comes to the actual basketball game itself, the audience are just there watching. There's no sort of Looney Tune character falls out into the audience and gets like attacked by. Uh, Pennywise or like a Batman villain or something like that they are just there watching and it's actually quite fun because you kind of look in you, you kind of occasionally look in the background and you can see like Lino from the Thundercats original Lino design kind of doing like a fist bump in the air or you just sort of see the the Warner Brothers and the Warner Sisters sat on a spaceship just watching as well it's it's very surreal but uh, the fact is in when it comes to the game they stay as spectators and that's a good thing there is of course some Warner Brothers property promotion going on in the first bit because they have to dive into these different films. So they go into Mad Max Fury Road to pick up Wiley Coyote, who is pretty much ready to go witness me. He sprays on the chrome, all shiny and chrome, before he sort of dives after the road run, all that sort of stuff. Um, they even go to like DC uh, Animation Land, it all in the Bruce Tim style, by the way, as well. So like Superman animated series, Batman animated series, and that sort of stuff to pick up. Um, Daffy Duck, who's trying to become Super Duck by hijacking a train and kind of trying to become a hero and failing miserably at it. So there's a lot of these, there's a lot of these See, things. This, this whole getting the crew back together thing sounds quite funny. Mm. Does it actually work? Some, some of it, I, the DC bit works. There's actually where they, they go and pick up Lola Bunny, who's beca- try, trying to become an Amazon in in wonder woman okay but it's done like a comic book style so they so it's not like they've just basically redone wonder woman 1984 so i i have no interest in this fight i just find it rather amusing but is she less sexy (laughs) i can't believe i'm saying that so is she is she less attractive in this film than she was in the first film because i saw some outrage 
amongst a very I, niche group of people on I, Twitter, which may- <laughs> Lola Bunny just seemed the same to me. So it's like I don't. I, Are I, you aware of this argument? Yeah, I'm aware yeah, of the yeah. argument, but it's like, well, they don't, they don't over, they don't sexualize her at all in this, like, which is fine. I, I, I don't get, I don't get the desire of this. Um, no, they, no, they, oh, they, 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 they treat Lola Bunny as an actual kind of character in a way doesn't get enough opportunity to to showcase the character a bit more but mm. i think generally when it comes to the actual game a lot of the looney tunes get a little bit sidelined so they have little moments but is it, it mainly the bugs show it's not even the bugs show well, who's, so he's the main star is it it's, just, it's is still it... the, it's still lebron james it's like it's huh. here's the thing and um, because they've changed the stakes around the focus is more on lebron james than it is the Looney Tunes because in the first film it's like Looney Tunes must win or they're going to they're enslaved they're going, by the, yeah. the alien played by DeVito isn't yeah, it? yeah by DeVito but in here it's basically LeBron has to win or he stays in that in that digital world forever in a way and it's like so I, I can understand that for a while but I think for those going to to watch for Looney Tunes uh, I think I think they'll come away thinking that they didn't do the Looney Tunes enough justice. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's still little moments. There is a brilliant half-time t- half team talk from Sylvester, which has the, <laughs> has the joke of the entire film. And I'm not going to spoil it here. But basically, if, if, it, if it's enough to make Daphne Duck write down trade Sylvester on, on, on the coaching board, it's, it's definitely something to behold. Um, but other than that, it's, it's not a terrible film. It's not a good film. But I think there are certain audiences that will probably enjoy it. I think if you're a diehard Space Jam original, this probably isn't going to please you too I, much. I hadn't realised that Space Jam had developed this sort of cult, mm. sort of like fan base over the years. I mean, like yeah. the, the, mer- the resurgence in merchandise recently as well has been... Yeah, I, 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 I think the, in, in the screening... <laughs> took me by surprise, to screening, be honest. Screening I went to, um, there was already a couple of like teenagers and stuff wearing like goon squad jerseys and yeah, team yeah. squad jerseys and stuff like that so there there is there is there is a there is this fan base for it i think the younger fan base will probably enjoy this more this is more like space jam for the Fortnite generation okay so it's if it, by the sounds of it it feels like a soft reboot in a way rather than a sequel per se yeah yeah i mean they do allude to Again, the fact i have no investment in this fight what's in they, the this film they do fact. they do allude to the fact that they've done this before in like some odd moments it's like hmm, so, so you want us to sort of help you win a basketball game that sounds awfully familiar <laughs> in, in a way so but yeah if i had to, if i had to get this star rain i part of me wants to give it free but then there are bits that don't necessarily work for me so i may pull back to two and a half it's basically oh i'm giving the lighthouse five. Oh yeah fair <laughs> enough but yeah gem- generally at the moment it's there will be an audience that will enjoy this version of space jam but i think if you unless they found lola bunny really attractive in the first film <laughs> sorry i just find it funny <laughs> but uh, other, th- other than that i think family for it's a it's a decent family film and it was very popular for its opening day i went to see it on so Cool. Good, so good two and a half stars. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably say two and a half stars. It's something I, I probably wouldn't mind watching it again, but there are things that I think they could have done better. Okay. Anyway, uh, there'll probably be a more detailed review on another Bunkerzilla channel, maybe a YouTube video or maybe a written review. So uh, keep your eyes out for that, listeners. 
Anyway, that's all we've got time for on this episode of Film Raw. Thank you very much for listening. As always, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and of course Twitch with Bunkzilla UK. And if you want to drop us your thoughts about any of the films we've talked about or covered in the episode, filmraw at bunkzilla.co.uk is the place to go. So until next time, thank you very much for listening. I've been Ian Bolton, joined by Christian R. Allen. Matt Hancock's a furry. And on that bombshell, we'll see you soon. Keep it cinematic.